How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Positive Mindset Podcast, where we work together to raise our vibration, lift our perspective, and build a positive mindset. My name is Henry, and in this episode, I have a special guest where we're going to talk about how to get your mind in a positive perspective so that you can move forward if you are stuck in fear, doubt, depression, whatever it is that is holding you back, then in this episode, we're going to dive in to the way that you can change your perspective so that you can start moving forward a little bit at a time and create the life that you want. But before we get started, we're going to take a few moments to slow down, zero in. We're going to take some deep, healing, meditative breaths to help us align on the frequency that we want in our lives. So you can pick a word. It can be love, joy, happiness, abundance, whatever frequency you want. And as we take a deep breath in, you're going to say that word over and over and over again, really charge yourself up with that energy. And then as you're holding your breath, visualize yourself doing something in that frequency. And then once you exhale, anything that no longer resonates with you will leave you and you'll be in a more positive state. So let's go ahead and take a deep breath in. And out. All right, well, we're going to do another deep breath. This one is about alignment, about getting yourself in receiving mode so that you can receive the message that you need to uplift your perspective, to get you in that positive energy so that way you can create the experience that you want for yourself. So imagine that you are surrounded by the most healing, uplifting energy that's meant specifically for you. It could have a certain color, a certain taste, a certain smell, however you imagine it. And when you breathe it in, it's going to break down the negative blocks, the barriers, the weight, everything that has just been holding you back. And then as you exhale, then take all of that with it, leaving you in a more positive state. So let's go ahead and take a deep breath in. And out. Well, before we dive into this message, if you love this show and you want to become a supporter, you can do it for as little as a cup of coffee. There's a link below where you can become a sponsor of the show. I appreciate all of you that have done it so far. And another way you can help the show is by sharing it. So if you find this episode insightful, please share it and let's grow together. All right. Well, I'm very excited about this episode. We have Dr. Chris Lee, and I just can't wait to share everything that she's about. Um, welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I, I always love connecting with people, and we had a little conversation right before we got started. So this is going to be a good one. If you're someone that you know is is kind of challenging some of the stuff going around, then this might be what's for you as far as answers or just perspective shifts. So just a quick intro so people that don't know who you are can understand who are you, what do you do, and uh, you know, what are you here to share? Well, thank you again for the opportunity. So I, my formal role is teaching behavior science, and I do that at Northeastern University in Boston. I also happen to live there as a faculty in residence, so I work a lot with college students across across the lifespan, really. I work with all ages of students. Um, I tend to work with a lot of students who are are very high achievers, very high striving. And that has been such an opportunity in the 13 years that I've been teaching, you know, to help maybe challenge some of the so-called social norms of today and what I call in my writing, the, the cult of overachievement. 
Um, and then additionally, you know, I work with organizations around the world who are really grappling with the great resignation and just all the aftermath of all we've been through to really foster healthier mental health cultures, um, to create more psychological safety and trust, you know, and to really promote human well-being. And, and then finally, I'll just say, I see myself very much as an artist. So there's two ways I think about that. One is that um, I'm obsessed with writing. Um, my upcoming book, Worth the Risk, is debuting on June 14th. And that book is about um, microdosing bravery. Um, and we can talk about what that means, but you know, really facing the fear of the moment and really calling on our courage in strategic ways. So writing is an art form for me that I hold very sacred. Um, I see that as a mindfulness practice, something that nourishes me and sustains me through all this complexity. Uh, and then finally, I also perform comedy. So I have okay. I host and produced a, a comedy mental health show called Cracking Up with Dr. Chris. Um, it started online. Now it uh, has a permanent spot at the Lyric Stage Company in Boston, where I live. Um, so those are some things about me that I, I love sharing with you and your audience. The, the final thing I'll say, and I think something that, you know, I've got, you know, these different credentials, I'm a psychotherapist by training and, and all of those things. Um, but I want people to know what I'm most proud of is that I'm also a person with a lived experience of depression and anxiety. And so that lifelong process of recovery and making sure that, and all the things I'm writing about and teaching and working to change in society that I'm also trying to institute in my own life every day in order to stay and do well. That's a lot. Um, such a complex. And so there's something that came to my, I, so first lots of questions. So I can't wait mm -hmm. to dive into that, but there's something mm -hmm. that uh, came to my mind when you said that you're also an artist. And I think mm -hmm. when you, so you said that you've dealt with depression or, or do you, you mm -hmm. deal with depression? And so like, mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're a real person, right? You know, mm -hmm. everything's mm -hmm. perfect for you. And so you just know the answers. It sounds like a lot of these answers maybe were earned. Did you find that the artist part of you or the expression, that's what it is that you're expressing in, in words, um, was that something that came from healing yourself and like working through stuff or was that something you did prior or, you know, how, how did that come to be? It's a great question. It, it definitely emerged from a lot of the experiences that were very dark and very difficult not only in my own lived experience, but for those that I've served, whether in my therapy room or my classroom or just writ large, I think that, you know, I think through all these times, sometimes I feel both heartbroken and heartened. So on one hand, I feel heartbroken to see the level of trauma and suffering and, you know, experiencing that vicarious trauma because there's so much that's not right with the world, whether it's injustice or just, just all the inequities and suffering. Um, and then I also feel heartened because I do believe in the creative process. And mm -hmm. I will say that during the pandemic, you know, while I practice like my regular carefulness around sleep, nutrition, hydration, exercise, meditation, you know, all the practices that I've come to really rely on as a person, they were, I don't want to say they weren't enough, but I, I still wasn't feeling very calibrated or very good. Um, yeah. And it was really me amplifying my creative process. So I wrote this, this book, Worth the Risk, through the pandemic, in fact, 
Um, so there was a therapeutic element for myself as an artist and as a thinker, as a behavior scientist, you know, kind of grappling with the data and telling the stories. But then it was also that, that act of creating some of that psychological distance for myself, as I even tell my own stories and my own lived experiences in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the performing arts, I started with comedy a few years ago and I'm obsessed with it. There's a lot of negative hype about comedy. Obviously, there's been a lot that's been called into question and, and negative news um, and occurrences. Uh, but I think that it's such a beautiful art form that can teach, uh, that can diffuse tensions, that can cre create a lot of community. Um, and so that's something that I've taken my, you know, taken myself to task with is to really, you know, perform and learn the art and then orchestrate this whole show that's come about. So. Indeed, the darkness and the pain are catalysts. Um, but I think for me, I've always valued creativity. And I think all of us have it, you know, and it gets squashed in adult life. It gets squashed through the formality of the institutions in which, you know, we're supposed to do certain things and not do other things. So I think that in general, we all have a tremendous amount we can tap into. And, and yes, sometimes pain and darkness can be the portal to that. Other times it could be joy or awe or gratitude that could also serve as a catalyst in that way. Yeah, I think to that point, it's all a catalyst, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's joy, good, you know, the, the goodness is within you and you can find it, you know, does it take something difficult and dark to help you find it within you or um, something bright and, and beautiful to do that? Mm -hmm. uh, it's so interesting, your experience in creating this comedy show and a lot of times, and this is to the point where you're saying it's within you. So many times I get messages on the podcast where people are like, oh, your podcast is really good. You know, I would like to do one, but it, it's not, you know, it wouldn't be as good as yours. And I'm like, well, you don't realize, like I recorded this like eight times to get this one episode. <laughs> right. And, you know, I have to edit my words because I say them backwards a lot of times and things like that. You know, it's that final product that you get mm -hmm. that's enjoyable, but that process mm -hmm. is hard, but that hard process is really powerful. Yeah. And so that kind of is the theme of the book, right? Like there's risk, there's risk in making a show, you know, when you make yeah. something a hundred percent of people are not going to like it. That's right. Whenever and, we take, yeah. So how and do you do that? Well, I love that you're, I love what you're doing. I love your work. And I think you made a point that's important is that it's not necessarily glamorous. And I think what we see in our world of social comparison and like, you know, a lot of times they see that curated version of ourselves. So the curated, you know, the, the highly edited process and it can look easier or again, maybe glamorous. Um, and it can, I think, leave anyone who sort of wants to imagine taking these risks or taking on these endeavors a little bit, you know, biting their nails and with some trepidation. Um, yeah. What the, the theme here, um, and this was something again, that was, brought on through my teaching work and my, my research. And again, just my own follies as a person. Um, I always say life is awkward, not us, but I feel like I can be very clumsy or I, I've never really had the identity where I feel like I fit in somewhere. Um, but I think we grow into that. So Worth the Risk talks about an approach of microdosing bravery. And the idea in that is that in society, risk has a bad rap, you know, it's kind of like, oh, you know, I'm going to be that manic person who jumps out of a plane or bets it all at the Bellagio. Or there's a lot of cautionary tales about risk, like, you know, play it safe or, you know, 
curiosity killed the cat or there's all these different old adages and we don't have enough conversation about risk and its benefits and the risks that are worth taking and so that's really what i tackled in this writing um, was the idea that small daily strategic risk that aligns with our values the ways we want to show up in the world the ways in which we want to offer ourselves to the world make all the difference and i think right now everyone is grappling with so many layers of pain and tragedy and trauma and fear. And that can be so contagious. But if we ourselves want to take on risk in a way that builds momentum, it helps us to grow resilience. It's not even just for the sake of like, you know, that personal benefit, but it's really for the sake of then being able to be better positioned to influence others to do the same. And so it's really about, you know, taking on these risks for a reason, you know, having a method to our madness Mm -hmm. and knowing that those things, just like stress can add up and have a cumulative effect that's negative, the risks that we take that are, that are, you know, grounded. And again, our values, wisdom, um, overriding our body systems that might be saying, no, don't do this. I'm scared. Right. And and what we know from anxiety treatment specifically is exposure therapy is the gold standard for overcoming and growth. And again, for me, like when I had panic panic attacks, I, you know, I've been now speaking for 20 years and teaching and a lot of people think, Oh, it's so natural for you. I'm like, you should have seen me at the beginning. I was in the bathroom, like, and I'm sweating and I'm asking myself, why am I doing this to myself? Like, why am I putting myself into this complete adrenal overload? And now I see that over time, the more I was able to practice mindfulness and cope and deal with all those jitters, that it led to something meaningful in my life and a life of deeper impact. And I think this is true in our relationships. So let's say, you know, you might be like me and you're a people pleaser. You don't want to let someone down. Maybe you identify as a perfectionist and maybe you have a hard time speaking up and self-advocating and setting a boundary, saying no, or saying, hey, this doesn't rub me the right way, or hey, this would mean a lot to me if you would consider X, Y, or Z. So risk-taking can happen at work. It can happen in our personal relationships. It can happen in our creative lives. It can happen in our entrepreneurial pursuits. And all those things, like all versions of all of the above and more. Um, risk can't be skirted. It can't be avoided. And I think people have to reimagine their original conceptions of risk as danger and scary to realize that if we work through that, it can be very meaningful. No, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, risk is one of those things that's always happening. Like there's, there's always risk. Like there's two coins of it. There's the risk of, you know, going through something and, whatever that goes to, like when you were talking about public speaking, right? The, mm-hmm. the risk was that I'm going to embarrass myself, you know, or mm-hmm. I'm going to look foolish or people aren't going to like it, which are all, you know, ego problems. Mm-hmm. Um, the, but the opposite of not doing it is risking you finding your full self and probably more importantly, reaching people that you're able to help. You know, okay. if you stayed small and didn't write books and didn't do shows and didn't those things, like I'm sure you've had people that maybe you don't even know that reach out to you and, you know, show gratitude for your work because it was like the one thing that got through to them. And that's everything to me because I think I've had other people nurture me or show up with that level of courage 
that I admire. And, and it, you know, that's the whole piece is as we do that, we're helping each other unhinge from our fears and our anxieties. And so, oh, yeah. you know, and I think, um, that just even like having fun, right? Right now we are at a moment where we need to have leisure and fun and invoke our childhood spirits and be playful and enjoy because there's so much heaviness that can't be avoided either. Um, so I think, you know, like I, I tell a story in my book about someone who's afraid to go horseback riding, even though they loved it. And then they finally decided to do it. And it became like part of something they did. They, they just loved, they realized how much that brought them back to a place when they used to do that. You know, so I think there's a lot of versions, even when it comes to travel, um, adventure, fun, trying new foods. A lot of us just get so stuck in our regiments and routines that we can't often look and become more expansive in our repertoire of things that we take on that are actually really, that novelty and variety are really good for our mind, body, and soul. You know, you hit on something there. Um, you know, you're saying that we all have these regimens and routines that we get stuck in. How many people are probably doing regimens, routines that don't serve them? Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. we truthfully probably live in the best time to be alive. I mean, medical care is better than it's ever been. Life expectancy is better than it's ever been. Majority of people have access to the internet where you can learn almost anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the risks of life, like like dangers of, you know, being eaten by an animal, at least in like America, we'll speak to America since we're, we're at, you know, like the risks are relatively low. Mm-hmm. Um, but more than ever, mental health is an issue. And, you know, life satisfaction is an issue. And so is it maybe just those questions weren't asked in the past of like, are you happy with your life? Because everyone would just said no, because um, every day they were just trying to survive, you know, like every day it was literally waking up and hunting and gathering so you could eat, you know, because mm-hmm. you didn't have money, you're trying to just be on this farm and hope you raise enough food to eat and feed the kids and, you know, whatever it is to now where, you know, you just go to the grocery store and get it. Um, you know, what do you think is driving this? Um, cause I think that was it. I mean, that's what it hit to me is like, we're living these patterns that aren't serving us. They're serving something else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think there's a lot of scholars and scientists devoted to answering this question. And I think like any big question, there's probably more questions than answers to it. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I, I, I think is important is that modern brain science has revealed that we are not at the mercy of our automation. So this is one of my chapters in Worth the Risk. You are not your automations. And so it is, like you said, there's this paradox of there's a lot of risks that we don't have that those who came before us did have to grapple with, right? There's this trade-off. And actually I talk a lot about the generational trade-offs and, you know, there's a lot of sparring that goes on across generations. When was it harder? Was it harder then? You know, there's a lot of that kind of debate, but the point is that, uh, you know, modern brain science is showing us that we're not subject or at the mercy of our automations and that resilience and changed mindsets can become a process. And again, it's, it's by what we're taking in. So if we live on Twitter, for example, or we live in just the sphere of social media or just the news cycle, which makes a lot of money off of negativity that can obviously become super problematic and erosive, right? Um, but yeah, I think that I think that a lot of it for ourselves is taking the agency in our lives to know what we can control 
and what we can't. And so I talk about what it means to live a what is life versus a what if life, if you want to talk about that. Okay. Yeah. So what is that? I mean, if you're someone that's sitting there and you are in that fog where it's like every day is just bland, you're I just don't want to be here. Like there's nothing that excites you and you're just kind of going through the motions because that's what's expected, you know, just waiting for something to happen. Um, You know, what does that mean? And with that definition that you're talking about? Well, I would just preface it too. I'm as a psychotherapist and as a person who goes to therapy, I think it's always great to tap into that resource. And it goes back to what you're saying earlier, like, we have different levels of access than ever before. And the conversation has changed in a better direction. Um, So I would just preface with that, that I think getting counsel, getting support is is a really great step. Um, But I'll also just say that living a what is life is almost like, um, so in psychology, we call it locus of control. And you might also think of something like the serenity prayer, you know, what do I have control over and what don't I, and where do I then turn my energy, my strengths, my resources, my attention. And so people who want to live a what is life, they practice radical acceptance. So this is so much, obviously, as you know, a tenet of mindfulness, right? A non-judgmental stance, appreciating what is fostering gratitude and awe for whatever you can. And, you know, I remember at times during the pandemic, I journal as a daily practice. So I, you know, like all of us is so much to take in and to adjust to and to grapple with. And I remember writing each day, my faves of the day, my favorites, and just like practicing, you know, and just like, okay, there's a sunset, like see it like it's the first time. So what is, is really trying to absorb the the beauty in our lives, um, the love, you know, our own creative ways, any kind of strength or asset, and really just being present with that. And it's also about, you know, just understanding life is always the trade-off. It's always taking turns. It's always vacillating in and out of challenges and joy, right? It's unescapable. You know, it's not like any of us can just say we have this like great life all the time. So what is, is that acceptance and that mindfulness piece? What if is that constant living in past regret? What if I hadn't dropped out of school? Or what if I had gotten my degree faster? Or what if I hadn't said that thing and then the relationship ended? Or, you know, it's that constant like frustration with past doing and past regret. And it's also anticipatory anxiety. What if this happens? What if this one becomes president or this crisis next happens? Or what if the, this new variant comes and gets me? And the what if is that constant frenetic anticipatory anxiety rather than being in the now and appreciating what is, it's that lamenting over what isn't. And, or, you know, what if I was two feet taller or 10 pounds skinnier or, you know, all these things, or even with social change, what if, you know, there was no racism or sexism or classism or heterosexism or age or ableism, right? And I think that one is one too that I really connect the dots with in this this book is that, again, as we unhook ourselves from these automations, as we appreciate what is, that doesn't mean accepting society and life as it is. It actually gives us the momentum to tackle those social change issues and 
offer ourselves to the world in a very you know, unique and powerful way. So I just wanna emphasize that aspect as well, because I think in any of this conversation, it's not just what we do, what we take the agency around, we must do that, but it's also for the sake of changing systems that are problematic as well. Yeah, and I think that um, I've done a few episodes on that exact topic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if 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 I become right, and um, and by right, I mean, like, within, you know, connected with source in yeah. that love frequency, um, which, you know, I believe if you're in the ultimate love frequency, you're just servicing others, mm-hmm. you know, because that's true connect you know, that's true yes. connection when you're just servicing others. And so if I do that, you do that, the next person does it, the systems all change. Yes. Right. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big uh, component of the law of attraction. I know one thing it talks about there, you can't have a war against something and expect it to change. You're going to create more of it. That's right. And I think that's what I was getting when you're talking about that. What if mentality mm. is when you think, what if you're going to create more of what you don't have, that's you right. know, cause if you say, what if I lost this 10 pounds, you know, or what if I didn't have this 10 pounds, you know, would this person have gone out? I mean, like you're reinstating that you have that 10 pounds or, you know, what if I had more money, you're reinstating that you don't have the money that you have and right. stuff. And I just see how that can be really compounding on somebody. Indeed. I, I love how you encapsulated that. And I think the other pieces, you know, I study behavior change, the science of behavior change and human resilience. And that what that what if stuff also gets in the way of putting our energy energy towards the things we can control and that we can mm-hmm. change. It's very deficit focused rather than strengths. And so the what is is, is a strength. Like okay, what is possible here? What can I leverage? Um, and again, science supports that, but also from the spiritual lens, right? You know, you talk about laws of attraction, and in, in worth the risk, I talk a lot about synchronicity. And the fact that none of us are alone and that we're all connected and the ways, again, we can reimagine risk and, and the ways we show up courageously, even when we feel like cowardly lions and it's like these times make us feel like we have to be Mufasa's, yeah. right? It's like, it's a lot. But as we, as we do that, that builds a lot of collective momentum as well. Well, that, and I would say this too, the quote unquote powers that be or people that, you know, want a lot of accumulated power for themselves um, are very aware of this, whether it's intentional or subconsciously, I guess, consciously or subconsciously, they're very aware of it. And there's a reason why, you know, news is a certain way. There's a reason why, you know, things are set up a certain way. It's to get energy and, mm-hmm. you know, the power is in bringing that back to yourself. And that's why I love it. Just simple. Like, am I thinking what if, or am I thinking, you know, what is? Yeah. Yeah. So real quick, and then, you know, we'll get, dive into where people could find the book and things like that. But if someone's listening to this and that clicked for them, they're like, yeah, I've been in stuck in what if, you know, I, that's what I'm doing. Like, I just mm-hmm. am not actually seeing what's going on. I'm thinking about everything that's not. What's like a simple step or process that someone could do to start making that change? So we're like, what's the one microdose that they could add today? Um, to start making that change to not be in the what if anymore? I think it's a great question. I think it just starts with thinking about um, what you really love about life or like what you, you know, what you want to see in yourself or the world and just look at your strengths and your beauty, you know, start with appreciating yourself and 
And then from there, you know, think about, is there like someone that I trust that I could talk with about this? What if, what if stuckness, you know, is there someone that you feel, and again, it could be a therapist, but it could also be a mentor or a coworker, but is, I would say the microdose could be sharing some of your reflections from this interview and asking them specifically, you know, for feedback or, you know, just ideate possibilities around ways to start to put those kinds of desires and values into play. Um, like say someone, let's start with maybe like a physical thing. It's like, I'm not exercising. It's like, could you maybe just try a 15 minute walk? Like mm-hmm. that's a microdose. Or let's say you're in a relationship where you don't want to rock the boat and it's hard to speak up. Could you maybe write down, maybe bring up one small issue and, and just talk about how you care about the relationship and you want to move it. You know, you want to make things better and you feel like there's tension, but you know, it doesn't have to be like you sit down and talk about it. You could even write a little note or a text or, you know, just initiate something small. So what's your thought on this? This is something that's really recent that I've been talking about. And uh, I feel like it really aligns with, with what you're saying. So I'm interested to hear your perspective, but I've come to the conclusion and I reserve the right to change my mind, but I've come to the conclusion lately that we are all creators. Um, I, I think that we were, you know, made as creators and we are always creating like nonstop. Mm-hmm. And one, I don't think people realize that that's what they are at heart. They're creating everything we see around us, whether, you know, you're co-creating yes. with someone else unintentionally, or you're taking it within yourself to create what you want. But if that's true, then the thing you're talking about with microdosing is like the most powerful thing you could do, because if you're always creating, then that means what you're going to create is what you're focusing on. And so by just taking a little piece of something, you're going to create more of it. And as you just keep adding that piece, it's going to be that compounding effect of like cause and effect of, okay, I saw this, I create a little bit more of it and I create a little bit more of it and I create a little bit more of it. Is that kind of like how it works? I love it. Yeah. It's about generating that momentum. That's the whole thing is like little by little bit by bit, but your, but your point resonates so much with me. I love how you put that. Um, because that resonance is, 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 it spreads. And, and as creatives, if, if we all saw ourselves as creators or creative spirits, and we see that beautiful aspect of ourselves as people. And then, like you said, we, we then find even just one person, you don't need 18 people to be, to create things with, but if you can feed off of that energy with someone, you have that vibe and you can kind of just ideate possibility. That's, so magical and wonderful like that's everything and that's why we're here right and you know like it's funny there was a festival um this weekend and I was just watching people and I and in the book I talk about living our life as art and just to watch like the way everyone's dressed just everything like the persona the human spectrum is so gorgeous and so beautiful and I really think if we adopted you know, society wants us to adopt an identity of success bots, you know, like we're human doings, not human beings. And like, just perform. And if you don't have your own nonprofit, by the time you're 20, you're a failure. There's all this cultural messaging. I call that the cult of overachievement or the commodity complex in society. And instead, if we realize like those identities, you know, if you go to Harvard or you, you talk about people who are working in like fortune 50 companies, 
there's a lot of unhappiness. There's a lot of people who are at the pinnacle of so-called success that are very burnt out. And so I think in that it's redefining what we base our identity around. Society also tells us to base our identity if we have the Tesla or the red bottom shoes or the YSL handbag. And so there's a lot being sold and worth the risk is really about unhooking from those so-called ideals that can be very damaging and realize we're so much more. So being a creator, that's a fantastic identity because it just, it, it never grows old. There's infinite possibility in it. It's fun. It's a ex- form of expression. So I, I vote yes for that. I, I love, love it. That. And I think that helps connect us in the flow state because you just make more yeah. of what you do. Yeah. So, okay. So now I'm interested. And what's the, if you're listening right now, someone's listening, what's the best way that they should look you up? So of course I put the link to the website, but is it the yeah. book that is the next thing or do they need to jump right to the comedy show? I think all of it. I think what, you know, I think, go into my website, kristinlee.com. And then I'm very active on social media. My handle is at the real Dr. Chris and Chris is spelled K-R-I-S. That's a great way to find me. You know, I've got TikTok and um, Instagram reels and, you know, all those things. And then Facebook and Twitter. Um, And then, you know, the website offers some resources that has my TEDx talk. So um, and the book is certainly there right on my website. You can also find it on social media. Um, but please, you know, for anyone listening, DM me, say hello. Um, this is really about building conscious community, not a transactional kind of thing. Um, but I, I do hope that you'll find, you know, the types of risks you can take. And, and the thing about the book is it's written um, each chapter has a lot of, like you asked me some strategies, what's the one thing you do? This book is written um, with a lot of strategies at the end of each session. I call my chapter sessions. And there's a lot of activities, guided questions, like challenges, like try this or try that. And it's really best done. It can completely be read on one's own, but it's really great if you have a friend to read it with or a group or an organization there's definitely a lot to tap into there um, that gives tangible, workable kinds of strategies. I love that. I, I love that when it's like, that's a perspective piece, the way it's written then. It's written in a way where you can put yourself in and outside so you can really understand your situation through it. So that's that's a, a great way to write it. So all the links to everything that uh, Chris mentioned are in the description. If you click down, you can see which one and check it out. She has got some really uh, great stuff uh, on here. I did watch the TED Talk. I thought it was really good. So I was glad to have that. But Chris, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for joining us. Um, Please reach out to myself or her if you have any questions. Have a great day. And I can't wait to talk to you all next time. My pleasure. Thank you, Henry.